Well, it's already been a great day, but it's a great time of year too. Who's excited about opening day? Anybody in the room? There's one of us. I'll let you guess who it is. <laughs> now, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people this time of year get really excited. It's, uh, it's like an unofficial holiday in America, this opening day. And fans will fill stadiums today and tomorrow all across the land. And uh, it's just a great time of year if you're a baseball fan. And I know not everybody is, but uh, it is a great time of year uh, as we celebrate this national pastime, this game that so many people uh, do love. Uh, probably all of you have seen uh, the bit, the, the comedy bit by, I think it's Abbott and Costello about who's on first. Have you seen that, that sketch before? Uh, we wanted to show something, but I, I thought you've probably all seen that. Uh, what we want to show instead is, a, is sort of a modernized uh, redoing of that. So if you would, uh, turn your eyes to the screen once more and, uh, and let's watch this short clip. Jimmy, you know what I love, Jimmy? I love baseball. When we get to St. Louis, will you tell me the guy's names on the team so when I see them in that big St. Louis ballpark, I'll be able to know those fellas. All right, but you know, strange as it may seem, they give these ballplayers nowadays very peculiar names. Funny names. Nicknames, pet names. Now, on the St. Louis team, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know's on third. That's what I'm trying to find out. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know's on third. You know the fellow's name? Yes. And who's playing first? Yes. I mean the fellow on first base. Who? The fellow playing first base for St. Louis. Who? The guy on first base. Who's on first? Why are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you who is on first. You guys talking about me? Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, we are. This is who? How should I know? I never met the guy. Well, now you've met him. Met who? Yes. Look, would you tell me your name? Who? You. Who? Him. Me? Yes. Who? Mm. What is your name? No, no, no. What's on second? This is who? That's what I'm trying to find out. All right, calm down, will you? Okay, listen. When I say hello to this fellow right here, I'm saying hello to who? Hello, nice to meet you. See, now you're starting to get it. Get what? I'm right here. And who are you? I'm who. What? Yes. Uh, who's this fella? No, who is that fella? I am who. Who am I? How am I supposed to know? What's your name? Now, what is his name? I'm not asking you what his name is. I'm asking you, who is this fella right here? That's right. But what's his name? What is my name? You don't know your name? Of course I do. Well, then tell me. What? Your name. What? What's wrong with this guy? Who? What? Yes. Oh, I think he's got a hearing problem. Who? What? Yes. Look, can't you see him talking to him? Who? What? Who? What? Who? What? Who? What? Boys, boys, settle down. Now then, I'm glad that's all cleared up. He's who and what's his name? I don't know! All right, gentlemen, I couldn't help overhearing this conversation. It's very simple. This fella's actual name is who? W-H-O. And this fella's actual given birth name is what? W-H-A-T. Well, that clears it up. Why did you just say that in the first place? But wait, who are you? I don't know. The face! <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
Oh man, that's great. It's a it's an age old question. Who's on first? And I know many of us love I love uh, those clips of of that comedy routine. But I thought as we launch this new series this month, and it's really a series about family, about home, um, it's a great question for us to ask as well. Who's on first? And today we're going to launch this theme, but we're also launching a new at-home center that we've created out in the foyer in our lobby. Uh, many of you have seen that. You've walked past it. You've enjoyed the, the new uh, re- renovation out there. It's been, it's been incredibly upgraded. It's fantastic. Uh, and so today, as we kind of launched the series and launched the at-home center, I wanted to invite Matt and Rhonda to come and join me on stage and just talk uh, for a few minutes about the series and about the importance of the at-home center and what it all means, just so all of us can kind of be on the same page as we get started with this. So many of you know Matt, we just honored him, and Rhonda is his partner in crime. Uh, these guys work together uh, with our students and our children, and we're really blessed uh, to have them as a part of our family and a part of our staff. And so um, I just want to ask you guys a few questions, and we haven't rehearsed this, but we have kind of prepared for this, so I'll let you get in on that secret. But as we, as we start, kind of talk about in your, in your mind, why is it important for us to talk about this question of who's on first? Sure. Well, the skit is a classic skit, and it relates a lot to the conversation that we're having right now about the confusion about who's playing what role. Uh, with who's on first, it's about who's playing a position in baseball. The conversation that we're having right now with the at-home center, with the family ministry, a lot of student ministry and a lot of church leaders are having um, is, is who's responsible for the spiritual formation of our children. Um, it's, it's who, who's the primary, uh, the most influential person in, in the lives of our children and the lives of our students. Uh, what role and responsibility does the church, do the church leaders, the pastors, the student ministers, what role do they have in walking alongside um, of, of families and parents as, as we, you know, as a village it takes to raise uh, kids. So kind of trying to have an honest conversation about who fills those roles and who plays um, and who plays those roles. It's interesting because when we really get, when we get really honest, we've really outsourced a lot of the educational things to our kids. If you think about it, we have teachers, we have tutors, we have coaches, we have private lessons. We have all these things that we've now asked other people to be responsible in teaching our kids for when family was originally the primary source of that, the only source of that. Family is where the stories were told. Family is where the, you taught someone how to throw a ball. It's where you sat there and played piano together. And now we've outsourced so much of that. And church is one of those things where we've outsourced as a family the spiritual formation of our kids. And I think we have to have an honest conversation about that. Sure. Well, and Matt and I have talked for a long time about this, um, many, many years, in fact, about our family lives growing up. And, you know, when we grew up, we were at Bible class on Sunday morning, church on Sunday morning, church on Sunday night, church on Wednesday night, and there were just lots of opportunities. And sometimes we weren't happy to be there as kids. And our parents, that was part of our family life, and that's what we did. And, and you know, there were sporting times where I, I played every sport imaginable. My dad was a coach. And so we were at every sporting event, but there were times where I had to go to practice and say, you know what, I don't get to be at practice tonight because we have church. And and Wednesday and Sunday was sacred back Mm -hmm. then. But what my parents knew, my dad was a coach and he had four state championship rings, but he knew that didn't matter if in the end Jesus wasn't our one thing. Mm -hmm. And so he taught us as a family that Jesus was our one thing and it was the most important thing. And we know and we acknowledge that life is different now and families are busy and you are going 900 miles a minute every single day from morning till evening. But we need you to know that we know that in your families, in your homes, that we know that you want Jesus to be your one thing too. And so we started looking at how can we equip families so that if you're not here four times a week like we were growing up, how can we equip you 
to be Jesus to your families and in your communities. Yeah. And so part of that is we've opened and launched this new at-home center in the lobby. You guys have put a ton of work and time into that. And thank you, by the way. The lobby looks great. The at-home center is fantastic. We've had a lot of help. With I, know, that. I know it wasn't just you guys, but you guys spearheaded a lot of that. So thank you. Uh, but talk about what, how does the at-home center kind of work in cooperation with student ministry, with children's ministry? What, what, how does all that jive? Well, when we looked at the research, we were kind of amazed because the research these days shows that uh, teens and students on average are at church 40 hours a year. And they're in your homes thir- 3,000 hours a year. And so we had to look at that. And, and when, we, when we talked about at home and when we talked about families, we had to look at how does that impact us. And there was just lots of research. Um, and so Matt will share a little about what that was. Yeah, it's, you've heard the numbers thrown around anywhere from 60 to 80% of our 18 to 29-year-olds leave church, leave faith community once they exit kind of the youth program, um, which as a parent of three boys, that's two of my three kids. Mm-hmm. If they were to go through my program now or the program I went through back on the days that I look fondly of and am nostalgic about, two of my three kids would no longer be a part of faith community. This is not just a, a tribe, Church of Christ uh, issue. This is kind of a Western civilization issue. It's very, very, very real. And you need to hear this. This is very, very, very real. And at some point, as a, not just as a minister, but as a dad, I'm not okay with that. And, and, and I've got to have an honest conversation about, you know, what, what does keep people involved with a faith community? Not just going to church, because you can sit in a pew and not have any relationship with Jesus, but to be a part of a faith community. And we found the most important one is what happens at home. And so how do, we, how do we keep our kids involved um, with those kinds of things? Because it's hard when you ask parents to be the primary source of spiritual formation because that's a very tall order. Yeah. And it's very intimidating because it's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we did a survey, we asked everybody, you know, the, the most important things. And faith was the most important things. Uh, and the most influential people, ministers were seventh or eighth on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad were number one. And so this is just really important to say, uh, you know, we have to be really honest with these conversations. And so church is a place where we walk alongside families and we help families and we uh, have conversations and we learn from each other about how do we do things. It's not a place where it's okay to drop somebody off and say, here, can you talk to my kid about Jesus? Can you handle this? Can you handle that? And then pick them up and expect that hour interaction as powerful as that may be or a week of a mission trip mm-hmm. or a week of a summer camp is in any way going to be enough uh, to, to have a profound lifelong impact after that. So those are just things we've had to, to, to talk about. Um, and with the at-home thing, it's really easy to dismiss that if you're at a different stage in life, if you don't have young kids or if you don't have teenagers, because the reality is everybody's got a family. Whether your kids are at home, whether your kids are at school, whether you're an empty nester or you've got grandkids or you're, you know, you're single and, and you don't have kids, everyone's got a family. And so this is not just something for raising children. This is for those moments where you open your home and the spiritual discipline that you show, the encounter that somebody has with, with a follower of Jesus' hospitality and you just invite people into your home, that's the kind of ministry that we want to partner with and that's the kind of experience that we want to have together. Awesome. So now, why is the at-home center, why is, is creating this space, this place, why is that so important? Yeah, it's another way of saying why a paper resource in a digital age, right? Yeah. Um, and all of these resources that we're talking about are available online. Uh, you can get them through our Riverside mobile app. But the question is, why Why do we have a physical resource right here? Well, one, it's, we want you to see that this is a major part of, of who we are, where we want to go, and where we believe God is leading us. So when you come in, this is a place that you can see that. It's a tangible place that you can go. 
for those of you that have issues uh, that you're wrestling with, whether it's a kid, whether it's um, dealing with an, an, an aging parent, those kinds of things, uh, we have resources that Rhonda will talk about here in a minute. It's important to know you're not alone, right? And to see these, see these resources available to you and to see that there's multiple copies of them because we know that lots of people struggle with lots of different things. Mm. And church is not a place where we have to come and get everything right. It's a place where we can come and be, be ourselves and come before God and, and all of our brokenness and then try to figure out how do we walk alongside each other in that. Um, so that's, that's really important. Um, and then even if you're not in places yet to kind of see to kind of see what things might, might be in your future. You know, some things to be considering about how do we approach these certain things? What are some things I need to be made aware of? And because it can be scary, this uncertainty, right? Yeah. And one of the things that we really struggled with, even with our kids leaving, is this, is this idea of sustaining and maintaining a certain course, right? And, and to not steer outside of that either, to hear different voices of truth, those kinds of things. In church, I really believe this, church should not be a place where we fear change, more than we fear losing our children. Hmm. And so we have to figure out how do we, how do we have conversations with people? Um, how do we have uh, different voices of truth in our head that can help us with certain things like raising our kids? And those are all made available out there. Well, and when we did the four-year renovation, that was a major part. We wanted that to feel like a place that felt like home. When you walked in, that you could sit and you could have conversations with your church family. And we live in a very digital age, but when you Google, if you've ever had to Google raising a child with special needs, you will get all sorts of things that pop up on your search. And weeding through those things is sometimes just overwhelming. So we wanted to have a place where you could go in, and if you were struggling, you could go in and you could read some spiritual information. And maybe it's not something you struggle with, but maybe you have a friend that struggles with that. And so for them, for you to be able to talk to them about it, you know, we have teens, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I'll say, you need to listen to this podcast, not necessarily because you're struggling with it, but because you have friends that are. Mm-hmm. And that'll give you the resources to talk to them about it. And so we wanted that to be a place where you knew you could go and, and you would have help. And, and it's things that we've weeded through and looked through, and, and we just wanted to provide you with that. Awesome. So today's kind of the launch of this. So how do we get started? What does it look like? We are so excited because this, is, this has been over a year and a half that we've been dreaming about and thinking about and talking about this center, um, and we've been researching it for many years more. But today, um, and I'm, you're going to have to be my Vanna. That's okay. Bring it. Um, uh, today, in the at-home center, there's a Just Add Family Kit for every family here. And whether you're a grandparent, an aunt or uncle, mom or dad, whoever you are, if you are in family and you have kids... This kit is for you, and we want to give that to everybody here as a gift. Um, just stop by. Matt and I will be back at the center. This kit has, um, it has activities that you can just do with your family, and they're all spiritual-focused that you're not having to think up. Um, there's bedtime activities. There's mealtime activities. There's special occasion activities. And we just want you to have that as a resource uh, to do with your family and do, to do with your kids. Um, also in the at-home center... Um, we have these guides, and these are up for you to take if you'd like to take them. Um, feel free. There's, you know, if you're dealing with financial issues, if you have aging parents, if you're struggling with a teen, um, we have uh, guides that will just help you um, along the way, we hope. Um, on the back, there's resources on the websites, websites that you can go to, books and resources. We have staff-recommended picks in there. Um, we'll be updating these as we go along, so just because you been in there one day and seen what's in there, we'll be continuously updating these resources for you. Um, they're on the website, so you don't, you know, if you're, if you're embarrassed to go in and 
you're struggling with something and you don't want to take one of these pamphlets, go online and all these resources are online for you. There's other resources in there too, you'll notice when you walk in there. And we hope that you'll go in there and just check that out because not just family ministry at home stuff. We have a collection of books and music that the staff would recommend just for spiritual development, just for doing life, those kinds of things. And so you can see kind of what we all as a staff are reading, uh, music that we're listening to that we would recommend for you uh, to check out those kinds of things. We'll be updating those, those as well um, because there's a lot of things that have gone into this. Ron and I just didn't sit in front of a dry erase board and come up with this on our own. In fact, the At Home is a partnership that Riverside is engaging with another church out of Rockwall. And so this is something that a lot of voices and a lot of input has gone into. And so we wanted to share that with you uh, and to tell you about some of the things that have influenced us. Um, And if you're a fan of Jen Hatmaker uh, and you've got kids, you know, read For the Love, chapter 13. It's the most concise, um, easy kind of to understand difference between the generations. And and having that conversation and kind of hearing the different sides avoids us from having this who's on first fiasco Mm -hmm. of not, of having the same conversation about two different people and, you know, and you get frustrated and, you know, so, so those kinds of things are are helpful to you to kind of figure out how we got where we got, um, and, uh, and kind of what's led us to this place. And so we're very excited about it. We're very, very excited to share this with you. Uh, this doesn't matter if, if you don't take this, uh, it's just, it's just a pretty foyer, honestly, if, if you don't engage in this and if you don't participate in this. And so, Uh, We do want this to be helpful to you. We've all reviewed it and recommend all this stuff as a staff. So we feel like this will be really helpful for uh, for us as families moving forward. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I I couldn't be more excited about the at-home center and about providing another resource for our families. I think as a parent, as a dad myself or Alicia and I, you know, we, you know, obviously we love our kids. We see ourselves like you're talking about as the primary spiritual leaders in our home and for our kids. Uh, We get that. But, um, but we need you too. And what you guys are doing for us is, is huge. And, and you know this because you've worked with students before that, you know, as much as we love our kids, sometimes they need a different voice. And so many times you guys are that voice or, or the people that you've pulled in as teachers or disciples or small group leaders are, are that voice. And, and it takes us as a church community coming around each other. And that, that's part of what this is, is this another way for us to be there for each other and encourage it. So thank you guys for, for what you're doing. Can you guys help me say thank you to these guys? Yeah, absolutely. So this question really is a big question, and, and I think we all agree on this. Um, you know, how do we decide who's on first? And in your home, if you were to, to ask the honest question, and if you were to give yourself the honest answer, who's on first, what would you say? Like, what, what would the honest answer be in your house or at your home? Who's, who's really on first? I think we'd all love to say, you know, God, <laughs> that's the right answer. You know, we're in church, uh, but that may not be the honest answer. The honest answer may be something entirely different. If we're just being completely honest with ourselves and with our family and with the situation, if we were to look at our calendar and lay it out and, and try to figure out who's on first in terms of where our time goes, that might be a telling thing. For a lot of us, our kids are on first. That's where all of our time and resources go, you know. For a lot of us, it's an activity or a hobby or a thing or whatever. But if we started looking at our life and we laid out before us and we asked the question, what does, what does this tell me about who's on first in my home? What would the honest answer to the question be? Well, what we want to do through the next few weeks is ask this question and wrestle with this question and invite you wherever you are 
and really with no judgment because we've all been there. We all kind of ebb and flow in and out of this as, as just people who are trying to follow Jesus is to invite you to maybe think again about putting God in the place where you know he belongs on first. And for you to do that first and foremost in your home. And like these guys have said, it, you know, if you have children, this applies. If you don't have children, this applies because we all have a home. We all have a faith. We all have friends and we all have a place and space in our lives where this decision has to come about when we decide who is going to be on first. And as you think about how you put God on first, I, I wanna ask you, how do you do that? Like practically speaking, how do we put God on first where he belongs? And we've only got a few minutes left this morning, but I, I just wanna assert one thought and one idea and then we'll be done. And it's this idea that I believe in so many ways, when we pray, we put God on first. And I want you to think about that. When we pray, we put God on first where he belongs. That this is an expression of our dependence on God. That this is an expression that, that he is first and foremost and central to our life. Uh, that, that he is the very thing, the very one that our world revolves around. And if you wanna ask yourself who's on first in your home, you may wanna start with a different question, which is how often do you pray? Because if you want God to be the answer to the first question, then I think he also has to be the answer to the second question. But in my life and in my ministry and in my years of doing this and being just in church, one of the things that I've realized over and over and over again is that so many of us struggle with prayer. Like for us, if we're just being honest, prayer is a huge struggle for us. We don't know how to pray. We don't know when to pray. Maybe we've prayed before and it didn't seem like God answered and maybe he even failed us. And for us, prayer is just this mysterious thing and it's, it, it, we're not sure how it works. And, and it feels like we're treating God as if he's a genie in a bottle and we know that's not right and we don't really get it. And it's so hard. We struggle with prayer. The good news is Jesus taught us how to pray. Jesus, the one that we follow, taught us how to pray. And in fact, he taught us through what is probably the most famous prayer that's ever been prayed. It's a prayer that we all know. It's found in Matthew uh, chapter six, and it's, it, we call it the Lord's Prayer. And this morning, what I'd like to, it'll be on the screen behind me, but I'd like to invite you to, to just pray this prayer with me this morning. And let's think about uh, this prayer of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and how he taught us to pray. Jesus prayed this way. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus says to his disciples that when you pray, this is how you should pray. And to be honest, we could do a whole series on this prayer. This prayer is loaded. This prayer is, is, is rich in theology and rich in wisdom and rich in teaching us how to pray. But today, what I really wanna do is just focus on those first two words. Because the first thing Jesus tells us when he teaches us how to pray is he says, begin like this. Begin with the words, our Father, our Father. And for Jesus, well, you realize that before Jesus, no one ever called God Father in this way. 
that Jesus really was the first one to to use this language of God. And, and for Jesus, it wasn't just a name for God or, or an affection for God. It, it, it described his relationship with God, that God was his father. And Jesus taught us to pray this same way, that when we pray, we should, we should call on God, the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who spoke and the stars sprung into existence, to call God almighty, sovereign God, Lord of the universe, Father. Father. I remember growing up in my family, we, we would pray often and my dad would, would lead those prayers most of the time. And the way my dad always prayed, even to this day, he always begins with the words, Heavenly Father. And I've thought about that a little bit this week. And I thought, you know, I think, I think my dad was teaching us like Jesus was teaching his disciples that when you pray, call God Father. Because it's an expression of, of your relationship to God. That he's not just the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is your father and you are his sons and you are his daughters. This is who God is. But he's not just your father, is he? No, he's our father. And and, and so that means that that God, our father, is, is your father just like he's my father. And so, we're a part of something larger. We're a part of a family, a faith family. And so, so you, you, you're my brother and you're my sister and we are a part of a family and we have the same father. And we know that this is true, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of our father. So if that's true, then the same should be true that there shouldn't be anything that could ever come between me and you because we have the same father and we're a part of the same family. And you you were literally my brother in Christ and you were literally my sister in Christ. And we have one God, one father, and he is our father. And so when we pray this, this is how we pray. We pray to our father. And I wanna ask you, is this how you pray? When you pray, is this how you pray? Because I hope that you pray. Because if God is our father, and we believe he is, then you know that just like any good father, he loves to hear the sound of the voices of his sons and daughters. Uh, Some of you like me, you travel from time to time and I'll be away for a few days or maybe a week sometimes. I try not to ever be gone too long, but whenever I'm traveling away from home, one of the hardest things is, is just not being home and not hearing the, the sounds of the voices of my kids and my wife. And, and sure, I can pick up the phone and call most of the time, but it's not quite the same. And, and do you know the feeling that when you get home, some of you have had this feeling before and you get home and you open the door and you've been away for a, a few days, maybe a week, maybe more, and, and you hear your kids scream your name, daddy's home, and they come running, right? Oh, that's the best sound in the world, the sound of the voices of your sons and your daughters. Some of you have been away, you've been traveling for far too long. And I just know that God is standing by the door and he's waiting and he's listening and he's longing to hear your voice because God loves to hear you when you pray and when you call on his name. And I I just wanna remind you of that today, that this is what God wants to do. He wants to hear the sound of your voice and he wants to hear you You call him by name. Because here's the thing. 
he can be trusted. He can be counted on. He can be relied on. You, 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 can, you can lean into him because he's solid and he's sure and he's faithful and he's trustworthy. And I know that maybe you've prayed before and things didn't go the way you think they should, but that doesn't point to the fact that he's an imperfect father. In fact, I would, I would plead the opposite, that he is actually the perfect father and that he is always working out all things for your good and for his glory, that he is intimately aware of the details of your life, that he is actively involved in the details of your life because he is a good, like we sang earlier, a good, good father. He is sure, he is trusted, and he is true. Uh, for the last few years, I've been uh, coaching my son in baseball. He loves baseball. And, um, and so I've, I've gotten into coaching him, assistant coaching, head coaching, whatever, just helping out however I can. And when I first started coaching, I thought that the goal of, of the coach was to make sure as the games and as the season went on that you moved all the players, they had a chance to play every position because that would be fair and that would be good and that that's what you should do. And so we started doing that and I realized really quickly that was wrong because if, you, if a kid can't catch the ball, it's not being mean, but you just don't want to put him in the infield. And do you know why? It's not safe. Like if a, if a good batter gets up and he grabs a hold of a ball and he hits it hard, if a kid can't move quick enough or can't get his glove up to catch a ball, it could go very badly for that child. <laughs> and I've seen it. Um, and so what you want to do is you want to put the kids who, who are able to catch the ball and are able to, to move a little more quickly in the infield just really as a matter of safety. Really, and, and as kids get better through the season, you can move them to the infield. But in those first few games especially, you're looking for the kids who've got a little bit of an idea about what's going on and, and can at least in self-defense get a glove up in time before the ball hits them in the head, right? And, and then even more than that, as, as you kind of look at it, you're always looking for that one or that those two kids in your team that, that have a really good glove. And if you're lucky as a coach, you've got a couple of those kids who can catch the ball, it seems like every time. Like they just get it, they got it, they can catch the ball. And that's the kid. That's the kid you want to put on first base because in Little League, what you're really trying to do is you're trying to get three outs as best you can. It's almost impossible, but you're trying to. And the way you're going to get three outs is you're going to teach the kids that no matter what, like this isn't, this isn't like real baseball. This isn't what you're going to see in the MLB today or tomorrow. But in this level, you, the out is always at first base. Like we're not going to make a throw, okay? We're not going to make a throw from short to home and get that guy out. It's not going to happen if you're six years old. So we're going to let that guy score, and we're going to try to get the out at first every time. And the way that's going to happen is we're going to have our best glove on first base. Hey, listen up. Jesus, his father, is your father. And you can put him on first. And he is sure. And he is solid. And he is faithful. And he will always be there. And he will never, ever, ever let you down. And this is what you can count on. And I have a theory about this. I have a theory about prayer. We're talking about faith at home. We're talking about who's on first. And the reason I think this is so important is because if we let kids in, and if we let ourselves in to this idea that prayer is how we put God on first, then I believe this is how faith grows. Because here is how I think it works. I think that when we pray, that God hears and God listens and God acts. And, and if, we're, if we're paying attention we're gonna see how God answers those prayers. And over time, prayer over time, praying to God and making a request of God over time and seeing him act and respond to those prayers is going to then in us build faith. 
And so if you're wondering if you're, why you struggle in your prayer life, or maybe you're wondering why you struggle in your faith walk, or maybe you're wondering why your kids are struggling in their faith walk, then I would ask you this, are you praying? Because if you're not praying, then you're not making any requests of God. And if you're not making any requests of God, chances are you're not going to be paying attention to see when and how God acts to answer those prayers. And if God isn't acting and answering those prayers, then your faith is never going to grow because you never prayed and he never had a chance to ask. And so your faith doesn't grow. This is how it works, I really believe. And what I want to invite you to do is take God up on his word. Trust him to be faithful and sure. And pray and watch how it works that prayer over time is going to equal faith. Faith in you, faith in your kids, faith in your home, faith in your situation, faith for the future. For us, most of the time what happens is we make prayer our last resort instead of our first response. And what I want to invite you into is into a habit of prayer, a habit of daily putting God on first where he belongs. And then guess what? When crisis hits, when life comes, and it will, we live in a broken world, it will, let's just be honest. That when you're, when you're in a habit of prayer and when crisis comes, you're already in the proper position to bring before God whatever it is that's going on into your life as a matter of first response, not last resort. And then you get to watch and see how God answers. And your faith has the chance and the opportunity to grow. And here's the thing if you have kids. If you have kids, don't protect them from this. Don't protect them from this. If you have kids, invite them into your prayer life. Chances are they already know where you're struggling as a family. So pray about that together. And as your kids hear your heart for God and they see your faith in God and your prayers to God, and then they realize how God has answered the prayers that you guys have been offering, what happens in them is that their faith grows. You want to know how to launch kids into, into the future that will stay in love and and be in love with Jesus and stay faithful to the church and go on to do great things for the kingdom of God. Invite them into your prayer life as a family now so that their faith can grow over time so that when they're launched from your home, they will have a faith in God that is tested and true and they'll know where to turn when they face the tough times like you've already faced before. This is why it's so important. Who's on first in your life? If God's on first, I really believe it comes back putting God on first in prayer, putting God on first in prayer. So for this series, it's going to be a fun series. Who's on first? And we want to have a little fun with it. So we have kind of a next step for you. And so uh, over the course of this week, here's what I would invite you to do. You can do this as a family, uh, whatever your situation is in your home, uh, just do this however you want to. But we'd love to invite you to, uh, to take a picture. Maybe you want to write the Lord's Prayer out and stick it on your, your mirror by your, uh, in your bathroom. Maybe you want to gather as a family at night around the supper table and pray it together. Um, we want to invite you, whatever your home situation is, you and your wife, you and your kids, whatever it is, to pray together. And, and then take a picture of that. Take a picture of the Lord's Prayer. Take a picture of your family praying and post that. And you can hashtag this. Uh, if you don't know what that is, see me after. But you can hashtag this, prayer first, or, uh, and who's on first. And, and you can post that to us. You can, you can mention us at Riverside CFC. That's Riverside CFC. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And then we'll see those pictures, and we'll get to share those with our whole faith family as the week goes on. And let's practice. Let's put into practice this week praying together, putting God on first in prayer. All right? Are you with me? I don't think so, but we'll try anyway. Hey, if you would, uh, let's stand together. 
Uh, above anything, what we want to be in this place is a praying church. And so I'm going to invite our, our, our elders, our shepherds, and their wives to kind of make their way to the edges of the room. It, it seems like on a day when we talk about prayer that we should have an opportunity to pray. And so maybe, maybe if, if that's you, if, if you're kind of thinking back and you can't even remember the last time you prayed, and you would like someone to maybe usher you into God's presence, these men and these women would love to just pray over you and ask God to help you with whatever you're going through. If you've got some struggle or some difficulty, if you wanna learn more about stepping into this faith family and maybe becoming a Christian and, and wanna learn more about what it means to, to be baptized and to follow Christ and to become a son or daughter and for him to become your father, we'd love to invite you in this time to kind of go to the edges of the room and find one of these men and women and, and just ask them to pray and ask for their help. That's what they're here for. Uh, they are our shepherds, they are our elders, they are the ones who love us and lead us in these spiritual ways. And we're so thankful for them and for their wives. But for all of us this week, let me encourage you to step back into the practice of prayer and to put God on first in prayer. And when you pray, to call God by his name because he is your father, he is our father. And as we sing this song, let's sing this song as a prayer. As we say, Lord, I give you my heart. Maybe you want to lift your hands and surrender. Maybe you want to just open yourself up to him in this moment and, and just pray this prayer as we sing this song. But let's be a people who when we ask the question, who's on first, we can back it up by saying that we, we put God on first because we put him on first when we pray to our Father.